Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're about to listen to. Just a heads up, we are without a studio this week, so the sound quality on this episode is kind of weird. Very echoey. We did not expect the room to have as many corners as it did, and it was very echoey. That's not true. We knew what room we were in. Just didn't expect all the echo. So, should sound better next week. As for this week, not the best. We're sorry, but also, you'll live. It'll be fine next week. Anyway, just wanted to let you know to expect that. Hey, thanks. Enjoy the show. We love you. El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Joining me today is the frontman of the fantastic rock band Countless Thousands. He's also a good friend of mine, and we're always happy to have him here. Ladies and gentlemen, Danger Van Gordon. Also joining me, he used to be my co-host on this podcast. Now he does podcasts at Yahoo Sports like a grown-up. Making his first appearance on the show since his last appearance. Ladies and gentlemen, Brett Raven. It's going to be a great show. everybody welcome to unpopular opinion live from my living room we've nice been, we've been kicked out of the studio by my visiting family members i feel like we're canning it's exciting i feel like they should host the podcast probably and we should just get to hang out upstairs and now the party shit. yeah stay up all night that would be Nancy ideal Drew. sort of capture the flag-esque rules like you know if you are if you've captured the upstairs studio air area, then you must host the podcast and do all the duties right. related to the podcast on Bob's podcasting network. I don't see why we wouldn't do it that way, but they're gone now, so And um, either way the proceeds would still go to you. Right? Well, yeah. Ideally, sure. Yeah, I like that. So uh how's everyone doing? Brett's here. Right. Hello. From Yahoo Sports. Hello. How's it been? How's it been going? Good man. I'm tired. I've been traveling a lot. Where have you been? I've been uh, was at the NFL draft last weekend in wow. Trash Vegas. Nice. Oh, Nashville. Nashville, my favorite city Nashville. in America. Pretty nice. I pretty good. I've been there a few times. It's really cool. Uh, then I was in Vegas earlier this week for um, some other opportunities relating to the uh, boxing match this evening and um, some other things. I'm just tired, man. Doing my job. I hear you. My job is fucking flying around a lot of the time. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I know, yeah. oh, I know, but, I'm yeah, yeah, no, but it's, but it's also it just like, but also like, when you, is in when, you, when you do travel for work frequently, like you get really nauseous when you walk into an airport. You're like, oh, the smell of the Hudson News. I can imagine. Anyways, but like, that's, but also, I probably won't be traveling for the next few months, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You look glad to be here. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, it's just been a while. I mean, yeah. you, seem, you seem healthy. You seem, that's what I'm saying. 
That's Danger Van Gorder talking. Danger, how have you been? I have been Hit so friend. good. You know, yep. the hardest part of this show for me is the first few minutes, because I spend all that time remembering which button I have to push <laughs> to do this segment. You not play both of these guitars? Well, I play both. I play, I play them on synthesizer. And, and then I have one more impressive. I have a drum machine oh. because I like. That's what we should talk about on today's episode: is drum machines. But uh, it's about to get really intense. And uh, in a second, Brett's going to fade it out as he always does. It's despite my, as we discussed, my set of schedule. Every time you do this podcast, I come back to Burbank, right? To just. Just easily fade it out. Or he'll do it remotely sometimes. And it's really yeah. important that you never speak when you do come in, when you fly in from whatever you're doing. Yeah, because there's so many episodes well, you yeah. can't. Well, he talk. usually just comes in, does the fader, and then leaves. Yeah, day, quietly. Yeah, but today. Don't make noise when you close the door. Don't make noise when you open that curtain up there. Don't say a word. Oh, don't was, speak. Today I'm getting paid to speak, so. I know just what you're saying. To my girlfriend! <laughs> <laughs> So just like last week, we are talking about a bunch of goddamn unpopular opinions. This is what the podcast should have been. <laughs> well, like it's five years ago. It's how it started. It's what it's been. And then you come on this podcast to defend those opinions. Well, I've been doing that for the past couple months. Every show has either been about one opinion that uh, uh, I want to talk about or in instances where that one opinion won't carry an entire episode, we do this. It was the year of baseball episode based on it being an unpopular opinion. Yeah. But baseball being a good sport? Is baseball being opinion? the best sport. The best sport. Yeah. Well, that's a bit of a reach. No, it's not. But I already defended that. You can listen to the episode. Should we start with the dangers? first thing I support? The first thing I threw out there was, was baseball is garbage. So, so as someone... But we don't need to get back into it. Very much... Pro Unpops Podcast Network. I definitely have heard this episode about baseball, but maybe do you want to refresh it for the audience? Oh, sure. Just the basic <laughs> talking points. Well, I do a bit on stage about how baseball is the best sport. I see all of your of course stand up to all my shows, but maybe for people who live you don't live in the LA area. If Good you point. Can right. Do that sure. for them because I've seen this bit, but I know maybe <laughs> people like some of our friends <laughs> in. Montana have not. And there are a lot of people who are really torn up about recent uh, tragedies who have not been able to pay attention to the baseball episode because of the tragedies in our world and our, in our industry. Oh, that, that, yeah, that, that, that argument happened. Yeah. Did you watch baseball with the Mueller report? Oh, I mean, because that's, that can do more well, than that's a scandal. That's not a tragedy. I'm talking about like the Isn't it? Tragedies. The Mueller report is disaster porn, is what it is. Some yes. people are like, how can you watch baseball with the Mueller report? No, I just okay. it's just that <laughs> argument. That's right? like a crazy like one of like one of Twitter's favorite arguments is oh, everyone's talking about this while kids are in cages. It's like we can talk about more than one thing, motherfuckers. It's not that hard. But with baseball, one, I feel like baseball is a radically misunderstood sport. Agreed. Because the main argument is, you know, baseball's boring. It's supposed to be. There aren't supposed to be a ton of home runs in offense in baseball because it is a pitcher's game. Like just last week, someone from the Mets not only threw a complete game shutout, but hit the solo home run that won the game. The pitcher did all of that. And it, in theory, is boring to watch. But watching two pitchers be really good at their job is not boring. Watching a 14-run baseball game is boring. That's when baseball tends to be 
six to eight hours long. Like everyone demands more offense, and that's ruining baseball. Baseball is not supposed to be scored. I wouldn't say 14 to 12 game is boring. One of the issues affecting baseball right now is this issue of, God damn it, it's taking four hours, 12 minutes is a long time to play a baseball game, and people don't have time for that. People don't, I mean, because I, Dodgers, like, I went to a Dodgers game shit. the other I went to a Dodgers game the other night, and I go to a lot of Dodgers games. I probably go to like at least 10 a year. And uh, that sounds like so much. Fun. No, but it's like a lot of fun because it, because honestly, it's for work though, because it's like I'm not Mr. Yahoo Sports. No, no that's Yahoo Series. No, I go on my Is own. that where you were going with saying it's a lot of fun? <laughs> no, I, I go because it's because it's like LA is nice during the summer. I get to, it's like the game, most of the games start at 7 p.m. I go there. It's, there aren't any ghosts at uh, Dodger Stadium. Not that I'm aware of. Chavez Ravine. But it's like, it's 7 o'clock. It's, you know, June, July, August. It's nice outside. Beautiful sunset. I get to sit outside with my girlfriend or my friends and have a couple beers and talk about stuff and maybe pay attention to the game. Definitely get a little bit of that kiss cam action. Definitely go, it's your hot three. It's your hot three. You idiot. Right? That game. The hat game, by the way, at Dodger oh. Stadium, they, inv- they like added like a three-dimensional level to it. I can't even describe it. That's wow. not baseball. That's that's entertainment. But he's that describing baseball. I'm describing a baseball, baseball game. game. Anyways, which is the best sport to but watch? But also, by. I'm a Dodgers fan. I was at the game the other day, and it's like a Monday night. I gotta be at work in the morning, and it's like the seventh inning, and it's tied, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going home right now. Yeah, I mean, but, games are long, but also there's 162 games, so you don't have to watch them all. Yeah, is is an individual game boring or is 162 plus games boring? Because as a fan, as someone who watches more baseball than other people, I mean, I'm sure a lot, definitely a lot of people watch more baseball than me. I think 162 four hour games is boring. And, but also that's why I don't watch all of them. And one of the things that is really affecting baseball that they're trying to, that the league is trying to fix is, how long these games are because they think, well, if we can get them under three hours, then maybe all the youths will like Fortnite a kickflip over it or whatever. Then they need to embrace but all like, the strikeouts. But that, well, that's the thing is like the pro, and they're like, oh, well, what if we shave um, five seconds off of every commercial break? Okay, you save one minute. Uh, all right, well, what if we have a pitch clock where the pitcher has to pitch every 30 seconds instead of taking their damn time? Okay, well, that's um, saved about. Um, all right, so we've got this game that's three hours and 39 minutes down to 324. And the actual issue affecting baseball is the strategy of the game and the strategy that the batters employ, which is resulting in a ton of foul balls. Foul balls are on the up are on the up and yeah, up, up because of way. because of how the, the batters are trying to put them in are trying to hit home runs all the time. Right, because the league demands offense. And you can't and that is making games longer. And you can't, they're trying to do all these other things surrounding all the, the commercials. Oh, um, you can't visit the mound. You can only visit the mound six times in a game. Okay, no, you can only visit the mound five times in a game. And you can only, uh, you have replay. Oh, no, you can only do replay once in a game, whatever. They're changing all these little things that are shaving a minute here and there, but there are strategic, physical aspects of the game that are resulting in these, in, in, in the game getting longer, pitcher or batters trying to hit foul balls to get the pitcher up in the pitch count so they have to be taken out of the game earlier. Right. These are all strategic things that you can't take out of the game. Yeah, you can. So just you be can like, just, just 
Make it little league rules. Do yeah, a, sure. do a, a ten run nice rule. Pattern. No, do a ten run rule and four fouls you're out. Sure, yeah, and like you can do all this. All. But they're not. They're not. That still sounds like a so just thing accept, change, But also just accept what. Just accept what the game is. This is the game. Our glorious grandfathers invented it on the battlefields of Antietam and during Civil War, and uh, it is what it is. Lots of people enjoy it. It's very popular on a regional level, maybe not a national level anymore, except for when the playoffs roll around. This is what it is. Like I, working at a sports media entity, we all struggle with the fact that it's not really nationally popular anymore. People in Cincinnati really like it, but they also don't give a shit about the Sierra, Seattle Mariners. They give a shit about the Cincinnati Reds. People in L- I live in LA. I'm a huge Dodger fan. I probably couldn't name five people on the on the LA Angels and Anaheim. Like, right. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. Is Jared Weaver still on the Angels? I have no idea. Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols. Okay, we're, that's it. Like, <laughs> and, they, and they live, you know, you know, they play 15, 20 miles away from my house. Right. So, like, there's lots of complicating things around baseball. It's not garbage. It's also not the best sport. Ever. Yeah, it is. It's, it's I, I did a whole episode about that. Great. I want to talk about dangers. Well, I, opinion that something team sports. Yeah, well, all right. Tell me, Uh-oh. tell me why team sports suck. I mean, skater first, boy. <laughs> I, I mean, I said see you later, boy. Yeah. No. Uh, I get to high five. No, it's just like with basketball, with with football, with baseball, all this stuff. It, it tends to be about more of like brands than it is about uh, uh, something being exciting. What and like baseball, but like. You say you're a Dodgers fan. Yeah, like what are the Dodgers? What have the Dodgers been other than like a uniform and a Yeah, you root for the laundry. Yeah. Well, you root for the team. But I mean, like, it seems to be based on like where you're from more than anything else. You know? Yeah. Like people get raised up. Like it, my problem is I have I mean, this, if you want to talk about brands, look at fucking NASCAR, which actually I think technically is a or, little bit of a team sport, but is kind of generally an individual sport. Oh. Look at golf. Oh. <laughs> These are individual sports that are actually Majorly, majorly tied into actual consumer brands. No, no so, I'll, like, I'll, I'll back you on that. And like my favorite sport, UFC, is they're te- they're a terrible, terrible. Oh yeah, uh, uh, company. They're not good. They're not good to their employees. They burn people out. They break them. injuries. Another In- reason yeah, I think baseball is the best sport. Fewer injuries in baseball. Fewer injuries, and the injuries aren't gruesome to watch unless yeah. a motherfucker takes just, a baseball to the face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, or a child in the audience. Yeah, yeah, and then, don't be in the audience. Though. Yeah, <laughs> watch it. Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm way ahead of you. No, it's just like when I think of team sports, I think of baseball, football, basketball, and like basketball. I guess is a little bit different because there's just more happening. There's more movement. There's more to watch. Hockey seems more fun to watch because there's always movement. Baseball and football, and uh, I don't know. I guess soccer. There's a lot of movement, but like, what the hell's going on in soccer? You know, uh, it's just it. It seems like the cost of getting interested in these sports is like you have to understand so much, and to get there, you have had to be raised with that in your house. And I was raised with like baseball being around because, like, I had this worthless uncle who has he's like his entire personality is I like the Angels, you know. Like that's I, a rough one. Yeah, and I've, that's rough. I've asked him, "What do you like about baseball so much?" He's like, "It's strategy." I'm like, all right, well, what like what about explaining to me? He's like, "Well, there, it's the best sport." The end of discussion. Like then you don't really want to talk about it. All right, that's fine. But I mean, like, yeah, I grew up in the shadow of the Matterhorn in Orange County, and we had the uh, uh, we had that angels worship thing happening. 
I went to games. I guess like going to a game is fun, but that seems to be more of a social event than definitely. Going to a baseball game is a lot different than watching a baseball game at For home sure. because it is because I you yeah, know like going to any and I definitely understand too. you in terms of not having the experience or not understanding. I mean, as someone who is a baseball fan, I struggle with some of the strategy of, of baseball. Because I don't know that much. Like once you get down to the nitty gritty of like, all oh, right, well it's a one and two situation, and there's a guy on second. He should probably throw a slider inside here. Or I'm like, what the fuck? How did you know that, idiot? Got it. But like, I don't know. I don't know lots of that. I don't know lots of that stuff inherently. Yeah, and that's like really sort of next level. Uh, you know, baseball strategy. It's just but I very think- tribal in terms of like, I'm from Indianapolis, therefore I'm a Colts guy. It's yeah, like it doesn't necessarily. Well, what do you want people to base it on? Uh, players, coaches, I'm players sure. get traded. Yeah, that's players. what I'm saying. Like players get traded. So, so you like, want people to be LeBron James fans and not Cleveland Cavaliers fans? fans. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and, and that's the other thing. It's like it sort of squeezes the star power into like the three or four people, and that's it. Like, whereas if, if I think of an MMA, in the sense that like you're saying that like one. It, it, you can only have a LeBron or uh, or that's it. Like, you know, a team of people. Who no, I wasn't them. saying that at all. You're you're saying that people base their fandom on what region they're in. And like, what else is a person first starting out in sports going to do? Like my dad, and, and that's not always true. My dad was a strict L.A. sports team fan. And he was born and raised in Illinois. But he loved the Dodgers. He loved the Rams. He loved the fucking Lakers. And it was just because that was the fucking team he chose to follow. So it's not always regional. And what I what I would want to know from you is what makes individual sports any different? I mean, what when I say team sports, I just think of like the big things. You I know what you're yeah, saying, yeah. but I'm saying like what makes MMA? MMA is uh, okay. MMA. Because you do it. Yeah. So I understand it a little bit. But also if you flip on a boxing fight or an MMA fight or something, I mean, God, not golf for God's sake, but like there's just more action and the one person is responsible entirely for what happens in that fight. You know what other sport is just like that? Baseball. Like that's the actually is responsible. That's actually the interesting thing because football, for example, is like a very complicated chess match that requires yeah. numerous coaches who don't play the game to be watching it from both the field and up above to be all communicating in concert with each other and with players on the field to effectively communicate, like, the strategy of where all 11 guys are on both sides of the field. Right. It's extremely complicated, and I understand why, why America is really the only country that does it. It's, like, sort of, it's popularized here. Because we're the smartest. Well, that's obviously true. Baseball, of all of the sports, baseball is the only sport where the team on offense, it's actually an individual game. Like, the whole, the whole game of baseball is not plays, is not basketball which is this just ever flowing river of of possessions back and forth right. hockey yeah ever just this flow of possessions back and forth football you know they they stop and they do a play they stop and they do a play baseball is about the individual instances of every single pitch and every single pitch is one batter versus one pitcher there are defenders on the field there are runners on the field but is actually of all the team sports one of the most individualized ones because every instance of play is about one individual versus another individual in, in right. like a very specialized movement. I say all the time, if in baseball, if two pitchers both took 
perfect games, meaning no runs, no hits, no walks, no action. Both pitchers took perfect games into the ninth inning, and then one of them lost on a solo home run in the bottom of the ninth. That would, one, be kind of boring to watch, and two, it would be the greatest baseball <laughs> game of all time. 100% true. Like, we would talk about that shit forever. And, and as most, a non-fan, I can recognize why that would be great. Right. But It just wouldn't be fun to watch for... It would be fun to watch because as that game progresses, the tension, every yeah. fucking ball that gets hit, you're like, is this it? Have you heard of the, the tar pitch uh, experiments? There was a guy that, that created a, a science experiment, I think in the 50s, of like, he's dripping this, this uh, tar... Uh, and they set up a webcam eventually because, like, it's the single longest-running continuous experiment ever because tar drips so slowly that each drop of tar, the spaces ended up being decades there between. And this last one, they had a webcam set up because they, this pitch of, this drop of tar had been hanging there for 20, 30 years. And, yeah, the tension at that point would be huge. I'm just saying I don't necessarily want to watch are moving that slowly. So you want to watch meaningless action like most basketball games until the last five to ten minutes. No, I like punching. I like oh, punching. And you know what? In one one team sport that I will absolutely give in, I mean, and I do enjoy walking hockey because there's a fluidity there. Um, but roller derby. Roller derby is That's not so even a real fucking sport. It is absolutely a real sport. Okay, they, how does the scoring work? The scoring works by uh, one, the jammer passes... In, out of the pack, and how many and points then they have to go worth? pack? It's, you get one point per person that you pack, per per person that you pass on the opposite team. Okay, so it's a team sport. Yeah, and there's always something moving. So you like that there's team sport? Action. There's like hits, do, you know, do you know anyone spills? who does it? Tons yeah. of people, yes. Yeah. I've been in that community. Punch my titty. Well, what are the things? Um, like, <laughs> like, the thing um, when I talk about team sport or the roller derby is it's easy to get into because all you really need to understand is. That's the the, per, the person with the star on her helmet. She's the one that's going to get the points. So, and the other team is trying to prevent her from getting passed. There's what a lot of this boils down to is that you don't personally understand of many of these things, and if you just learned them, you would understand them better. That's I mean, what a lot of these go down to. I grew up with baseball. I played baseball. I learned. I played little league, which I admittedly is very different from watching baseball. I just so we had this argument fun. in the email chain for this episode. Where you're like, this sucks. This is bullshit because I don't understand it. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand a lot of things, and I don't just say they're bullshit and they're shit. Like, well, the, you did ask for in an unpopular opinion, and I'm not going to say like you shouldn't enjoy baseball or you should, or I, even that it's bullshit or whatever. Trying to provide you my own personal opinion of something that well, I don't. I, I since don't we did just do a baseball episode and we're already 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, in, we right. should move on. To something else. Can I talk about one of mine? No. Yeah. These are all interesting. And I have I have one to add that came up during talking about this. They all kind of three of mine all tie in together. So I'll I'll do the bullshit one first. Milk is fucking great. And people need to quit acting you, like baby. Are you a baby, Goo Goo Gaga? I need my milk. No, I'm a white nationalist. What? Oh. Great. But I hate oh, no. <laughs> took a hard right. That, that made me. It, Where's the door? It made me really angry. It's when, locked when, from the inside. <laughs> when, Sorry, you should be all right. <laughs> when white nationalists tried to like co-opt milk 
And what? Is it dairy border? What? It's like, please no. And make it there. You don't remember that? No. It was, yeah, it was a whole thing. Oh, God. I hated that. But I also just I hate this idea that people who drink milk are weird. Like milk is good. They got a strong advertising game. Good. I was I, my girlfriend and I were going to bed the other night, and we were and I was like reminiscent. Like I remember, I was just like some sense memory just hit me of like when I was not a baby, but like eight or nine years old. I would like have a glass of milk before bed. Not like warm milk, like I lived on the farm or something like that. But like sometimes I'm like, oh, I have a glass of milk before bed. And like, just like, I just, the sense memory of it just like, just hit me out of the ether. And I was like, oh, wow, I remember that. I'm never going to have a glass of milk before bed again because I'm like an adult and like <laughs> milk doesn't, I can't like chug the milk like, like I used to. I tend to get stomach aches. I'm I can't, borderline I can't like keep a gallon of milk in my refrigerator more than a few days. I don't even I fucking love it. Oh, how many glasses of milk do you drop, drink a day? I don't think I drink it every day. You don't drink it, but you, all right. So on the days that you do drink milk, you how drink, many, how many glasses do you have? I don't always Maybe drink, one. Do. Okay. I drink milk, but when I do, I drink a gallon. Yeah, I just <laughs> slam days. the gallon. Look, I, I. I grew up uh, lactose intolerant. Like, motherfuckers will tell you milk is gross and then in the same breath say, but you should drink horchata. No. Horchata is I love horchata. I'll even put the extra... It's just uh, milk uh, with cinnamon. It's just no. milk with cinnamon in it. It's rice milk. No, so I, I grew up not being able to drink milk for a while. Eventually, my body adjusted and I was able to just start having dairy again, which, hooray, that was a real game changer. But, I mean, to this day, like, milk... Like, I mean, when you say milk is great as a standalone treat, that's an unpopular opinion. I'm like, eh, I like, I don't think of milk as such like a basic thing. But and we do keep milk in my house all the time. But I always have to add something into it to like get excited. Uh, Trader Joe's makes a midnight moo dark chocolate syrup, and I insist. I don't say I'm going to get a glass of milk. I say I want to. I want a glass of moo. Uh, you know, another un- another unpopular opinion. Dark chocolate is for people who don't actually like chocolate. Well, milk chocolate, is I don't good. enjoy. Is milk chocolate, chocolate is, is good. Dark chocolate, yeah. And dark chocolate is trash. I've, I've, I've grown to accept dark chocolate. Dark chocolate has a wider uh, palette of flavor. It's like fine wine, Adam. There's more going on. You want all these unpopular opinions, and then you roll your eyes when I try to defend mine. Because yeah. they're wrong. That's the point. We're supposed to argue about this stuff. Milk as a as a standalone <laughs> treat for an adult is a bit strange. <laughs> it is. I get it. It's not. I like get it. There was a time in my life when I was like, give, "Give me a glass of milk." I'm just not. I'm just not there anymore. And then it dribbled I'll have a little bit of milk in a cup of coffee. Have a bowl of cereal every once in a while. Yeah, that's, that's milk, milk is things. fine. Milk, exactly. Milk, milk is, things fine. is fine. Probably yeah. not going to have a glass, a, just like a solo glass of milk ever again in my life. Well, and that's fine. Now, you know what? You're fine. Do you, do you like that? I still like pinch it. Of salt? I feel like I saw that in Modern Family. Why would I add a pinch of salt to my mm-hmm. milk? Some people like, I don't know. Like, you don't need to add, add to profile? this milk something to make my arteries clog yeah. even more. Yeah, no, the unhealthiest thing I do is I put so much salt in everything. Yeah. What's next? Who wants to go next? I like to go next because we're doing three in a row. Uh, no, my next three are all kind of yeah. tied together. Oh, okay. oh, sure. Okay. Um, uh, while you were talking about, where, where are you from? Where are you from, homie? Where are you from? Where's your grandma Where you stay? Where's my grandma <laughs> stay? Uh, the veter- the veterans uh, <laughs> cemetery outside of Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, well, that's crypt territory. I'm sorry. Um, 
I was born in New York, but I, I grew up mainly in Los Angeles. Okay. Because when you were talking about one of the appeals of going to the baseball game, is it's beautiful outside? You like being outside in the beautiful Southern California sunshine? I feel like most of the people feel like that. Even if you live, like, live in Milwaukee or Chicago or New York or, you know, Atlanta or wherever, it's like your fucking state is cold as an asshole for six months of the year. And all of a sudden it's nice out. Milwaukee okay. is nice now. So here's an opinion that I know is nice I literally now. cannot defend because I myself know it's wrong, but I get so sick of California weather. Like it's hot, it's dry, it's sunny all the time. Like I was I born and raised here. I get excited when it's overcast. I get excited. Oh, when I'm it the rains. same way. Yeah, like I love weather. Like when I um uh, Travel out to Colorado from the Rockies. They see the, the lightning storm every night. I'm like, this is amazing. Awesome. You go to the East Coast. Like, people are, are just, like, assholes to each other because they have to deal with that shit all day long. And, like... I think, in general, it's a bit natural for people to be sick of the weather where they're from. Yeah. Like, because if you, if you grew up in North Carolina, you'd be like, I, another North Carolina summer. I feel it in my bones. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I'm the same as you, but also, yeah, I mean, I love seasons. I, I lived on the East Coast for a while. I, I, yeah, yeah, and no, we don't, I, I we definitely don't appreciate it. But also, seasons here. You live on the East Coast for a number of years. It's like, oh, cool. November, December, it's magical. Snow is in the air. Christmas is coming. Right. Now yeah, you it. love it, and then it's like February first, and you're like, God. Yeah, and that, that's like, like, this, this is scrape off my car again today <laughs> or I stepped in a puddle that looked like, like ice but it was actually a puddle yeah. of water and I know and my shoes are people, the only people who yearn for winter weather are people who've never lived in it for sure because like, I bike everywhere and I couldn't do that winter well it's not just that like I lived in the Midwest most of my life and you don't understand some of those storms. It's not like oh, it's a white Christmas. It's like if we go outside, we're gonna die. Yeah. No. I, when I turn out, I need, go to Walmart I, and get enough white bread I for need, two weeks. I need milk, and I can't leave because it the is. Evil does not milk. Like you market the adult winter adult milk. Winter weather is what? the fucking worst. Scraping your windows in the morning. Do, you'll do that twice and then swear off winter forever. Have you ever had to scrape the ice off your yeah, windows before you go to, to work? I'll Not before I go to work. When I went on tour to Wyoming, like it was, uh, yeah. Now it, we went on tour to Wyoming in the middle of winter, and like I could see through a basketball-sized hole in my windshield, and the rest of it was translucent ice. And during a during a storm, at, I want to say three in the morning is when we finally got there, going over hills. We were passing. Like semi trucks that were on their sides, like oh, that's we're just trying to play a stupid rock show at a college town, and yeah, so like I get that like the alternative to being sick of sunny days is is an outdoor situation that can murder you whenever it wants. Like I like California winters, but they're just not long enough. You know? Yeah, yeah, because now it's May. It's like beginning to heat up. And right. Like right now, it's going to be 93 degrees. Yeah, and the, the hottest day of the year and now is in like months. September, October. Yeah, it's going to be it's really warm until October now. Um, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, I think everyone struggles with that in their own way, with wherever they're from. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I find it weird to hear you complain about California weather because it's just... It, the the thing about California weather is it's boring because it's always the same, but that's one of the good things about living in California. Yes. You know you're 
You don't have to commute prepare is for never going to be hell on earth. Well, like, it is for dra- like the traffic, but imagine that traffic in 13 inches of snow. Yeah, that's or what. It's like, yeah, you're in you're in Illinois or you know Iowa or wherever, and there's like a snowstorm, and the only road because everybody lives relatively further apart from each other has now been turned into like one lane each way, and you know it's just. Yeah, and it won't surprise you at all to know corporate America does not give a fuck about the hazards of your commute. I worked at Citibank in South Dakota when I first moved to South Dakota. One of my favorite jobs I've ever had because I just got to investigate credit card fraud and then bust motherfuckers. Ooh, nice. But I also worked. <laughs> I also worked three to midnight, and it would sometimes start snowing like around noon. And I would just know that by the time I got off work, drive like I would sometimes have to drive home from work under circumstances where the highway patrol had said don't drive, but Citibank was like, "Well, it's not the apocalypse yet. We're not going to cancel work." That Waffle House index thing, right? Yeah. So we would still have to work and drive home in that treacherous shit. And man, it's just better to not have to do that. It's so much easier. I can see why you'd say that, and I'm sure you're right. I just, there's just an ennui to when you, you grow up here. Like, oh, can I talk? Can I go? Can I do one? Yes. Bob Fosse, Gwen Verdon, on stage, on screen, together again. Yeah. In the form of FX's Fosse Verdon. What do you think? Brilliant. You like it? My favorite show. Are people dumping on this show? People are not responding to it, and many of them are dumping on the show because Bob Fosse is a problematic fella. And I think some people are conflating telling his story at all as being supportive of how he behaved and treated women. Ah, Um, so the people who are watching the show are going to know his story going in because he's kind of a niche character. A a bit. Um, For people who don't know... Because I like Sam Rockwell, and I'm a starring our greatest. So, yeah, you are our greatest actress, Sam Rockwell, yeah. in the show. One hundred percent agree. Sam Rockwell is a dreamboat. And Michelle Williams, such a brilliant actor, amazing. Yes, in it. Um, so, if people don't know, or maybe only heard these names a little bit, they, it's so Gwen Verdon is a famous actress from the sixties, sixties and seventies, maybe late fifties, a little bit. Um, song and dance woman. Very famous on Broadway and in musical film musicals of this era. Hugely famous. Marries a man named Bob Fosse, who was sort of just a, he was a dancer and choreographer who eventually turned into probably the most famous choreographer ever in the history of Broadway. Uh, stage director and film director, won numerous Tonys and Oscars and Emmys for his directing and choreography throughout um movies, television, and stage. He, you, that's probably the name most people recognize now. He eventually eclipsed her in fame, and they were both married together, and the show, Fosse Burden on FX, uh, sort of chronicles their love for each other throughout the decades, from like the 50s to the 80s. I believe he died in the late 80s, and I think she died in the 90s, something like that. Um, and it is... Absolutely fantastic. But Bob Fosse liked a bit of the drink, mm. liked a bit of the ladies. A rake, you'd say? A rake. As a, bit of- uh, a scoundrel Ooh. was not very faithful to Miss Burden. Yeah. 
Um, and I think many, it seems like many of the reviews that came out are like, at least in the first episode, were like, well, this is sort of, this is great. This is another sort of problematic, man, like, anti-hero man uh, show. Yeah. Don Draper going around getting drunk and having sex with whoever he wants and sort of glorifying it in the way, in a way, and and um, like not really putting enough of a spotlight on Gwen Verdon and just sort of glorifying just like men behaving badly. Uh, that's not what the show is at all. The show is very. I'm four episodes. Four episodes of aired. It is. It is clear that the show has um uh in not a negative opinion, but it's trying to portray an honest opinion of him that he is a liar, uh, um, not a very faithful okay. husband. That he sort of acts like a bit of a manipulative baby a lot of the time. In, in the same way, would you say that like the the Mad Men creators made Don Draper to look basically kind of pathetic at the end of it? Kind of, but also some of it like a lot of people just misread it as like Don Draper is the coolest. Oh yeah, go like, out. He looks good, but he's like if you watch a couple episodes, like he's, anyways, he's, he's, if, he's, if, if you have a if you have an interest at all in in like um, sort of. Broadway and like Hollywood history of like the 60s and 70s. If you like musicals at all, the show is produced, co-produced by the creative team behind Hamilton. I like that. And the creative team behind the Americans. Hey! So it's got that, it's like it has to go, it has a similar sort of look and vibe as the Americans, a show that I love. And there's obvious there's a lot of uh, of song and dance in it as well. Some of it not you know, a lot of it in the context of like we're in the rehearsal room for this, or oh, this is when they filmed Cabaret in 1971. We're on set in Cabaret, and here's Liza Minnelli, and here's that. This show is fucking incredible. I am in love with it. Like I've never, I haven't felt this way about a show in some time. I'm a big musical theater nerd, but if you want to see some good performances, um, you know, Rockwell and uh, Michelle Williams just so. It, smash it, it. but I, but I, but I'm saying it's in a popular opinion because it seems a lot of people are not really responding to the show critically. Yeah, I or, started or I started the first well. episode with my wife and then we got sleepy because you know, we're parents. Yeah, uh, and we just haven't gotten back to it. So it's like, yeah, no, it's interesting, and I love Sam Rockwell, and I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Yeah, know? I mean, it's hard. Everyone has that, and it's right around all of the, the big HBO releases that like when I have time. Yeah, Arliss. Arliss. Hell yeah, Arliss. Arliss is six. back, baby. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a show about sporting, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, can kind of, I, I can kind of piggyback onto that one and say that the Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie that just premiered on Netflix that people are so very angry about is actually a very good movie. And Zach Efron is fucking great. Zach Efron is a good actor. He's a really good actor. And I read a review this morning of this Netflix movie. And this is, I think, I think the Fosse Verdon thing is sort of the same thing where I get that being woke is important and calling out the things uh, that people did in the past that are bad is important. But also sometimes a movie is just a fucking movie. And every movie doesn't have to fulfill all of your political needs. And in the case of the Ted Bundy movie, they're trying to make a movie that explains why a woman would stay with an obvious serial killer, why a woman would choose to marry a serial killer after he was in prison. That's the perspective they're talking about in those movies. That 
and whether televising court cases is a good thing, which it absolutely is not. Those are the issues they're tackling in that movie. They're tackling why do women love true crime so much? Why are women sometimes attracted to these men? And so one of the complaints of the show is they don't even show his crimes. She didn't see his crimes. Ah. They're trying to show you the Ted Bundy story from her perspective. So you can watch it. Like if you watch it by the end of it, because of the way they portray it, I even found myself like, fuck, is Ted Bundy innocent? And of course he's not. But do, do I want to suck Ted Bundy? Right. <laughs> and I think they do a brilliant job of showing why Ted Bundy was married. Why his girlfriend stayed with him right up to the point where he proposed to another woman in court. Like, they do a great job of exposing all that. And all anyone cares about is, why are we celebrating a murderer? We're not! We're not celebrating a murderer. We just, uh, the wife and I just got through the act. And at the end of the act, it's like, if, well, if, I mean, the, at the end of the act, uh, uh, the epilogue is, you know, this person wants to raise kids, even though, you know, she's going to be in jail for who, who knows how long because of murder. And it's like, why are people, why do people have create such a bond with someone that is like clearly a murderer? Like, why, why are people so interested to like have that sort of like, well, I understand this, this soul in a way that nobody else does. So yeah, I mean that sounds legitimately interesting to me. It's great. It's and, written, and, that, and it's like, an interesting take on this. And people are like, why didn't they talk about his crimes? Netflix just, just did a six-part series about Ted Bundy. Yeah, it's a, it was a similar sort of conversation happening around Fosse Burden, where the first episode he like you see him sort of it, it, the first episode sort of surrounds the production of the the movie version of Cabaret, and he's you know sleeping with this uh, crew member and this is like, this is glorifying. It's his behavior. And it's like, well, if you watch the episode, it's not. And if you watch more than one episode, it's definitely not glorifying his behavior. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of these, this internet stuff is someone who hasn't seen it or some clickbaity, you know, smack.com, you know, sort of place trying to, trying to just drum up a headline. Like when Avengers came out, like I, I saw headlines like, did Avengers Endgame do enough to give, like, voice to LGBTQ characters? And I'm like, what? What? Like, yeah, like, Avengers Endgame is a weird place to go to it's like, for that. It's like, <laughs> this movie's about saying goodbye to many characters and sort of wrapping up things. And, like, they haven't even other, aside, <laughs> spoilers for Endgame. Hang on, dude, 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 haven't gone there yet. I mean, I haven't seen it. I, I don't, don't say no spoilers! Damn it! I want to see this movie without spoilers. It's very difficult for me to see movies right now, guys. People need to relax about spoilers. That's my next unpopular opinion. But I think we've already talked about that before. It's 2019. You cannot expect the entire world to not talk about something for weeks after it's happened just because you haven't seen it. I can make a polite request to a friend. I haven't seen Avengers Endgame either, but... I don't know. Like, I'll still go There's no, this is not plot-related at all. Yeah, put my fingers in my ears, go for it. Do you want to go la 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 for a second? Yeah. A character might have a stereotypically lesbian haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've ruined the movie for me, and it's like, so now we're litigating? It's It's done. It's done. So now we're litigating whether or not 
this three hour long movie that's about so many fucking things, most importantly, like grief and loss and spoilers for Avengers Infinity War, yeah. everybody dies. All of a sudden we're like, this movie, this other movie needs to like, to be like the LGBTQ movie. Like, what are you talking about? We're going to get there. We're obviously going to get there. I'm sure Marvel's going to do a great job of it in X character movie two, colon, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, that sounds pretty exciting. Is this a member of the X-Men or the X-Force? No. Okay. Whatever, man. Yeah. Sometimes in movies, what you're trying to say and what I'm trying to say is whenever you see commentary like this, ignore, take a step back. Don't accept what you're reading on Twitter or whatever to be true. No, no, no. To be true, take a step, take a step back and be like, what, what are the themes of this movie and or television show and or musical album or theater? Like, what is the story it's trying to say? Like, by being a story about Ted Bundy, it's not trying to be the the comprehensive story of Ted Bundy. This this film is right. asking the question from his wife's perspective: What are the events that happened, and why would she? Yeah. What is it trying to do, and how is it? How is it grade it? Grade the production. Grade the work on how it's trying to do what it is aiming to do, not how it's trying to do what you think it should do. Right. Let me ask. Let me ask you this as a, a something to explore this idea. I think that when you're talking about this theme of like uh, 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 glorifying like bad things or whatever, um, like I think there's a pretty interesting example. There's a new movie coming out about Sharon Tate and how like Sharon Tate accidentally summons these murderers to kill her, and it's like that seems the Quentin Tarantino one, or is there a different Sharon no, Tate there's, one? No, there's one it's, called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Oh, yeah, no, there you go. Yeah, the Haunting of Sharon Tate. Is this an Annabelle movie? Hillary Duff is in The Conjuring. Who knows? Is Hillary Duff like, Sharon Tate? That's I, I think she is. I, I don't know, but I mean, like that that strikes me as an exceptionally poor taste because this is a murder victim, and it's like. The, the trailer's making it out like this person who's responsible for her own murder because right. they, they took this real victim and plugged her into uh, the traditional horror movie like uh, setup. Right. Yeah, like that, that to me that's sounds bullshit. like... That does sound... Okay, all right. I, but that's not what's happening with, with the movies. Okay. okay. Like the Ted Bundy movie, it's just a story we all know. Like I, I brought up disaster porn earlier as it relates to the Mueller probe, but... I think it's the kind of like how much murder do you need to see? Like, does every none does every Ted Bundy movie have to include graphic depictions of his murders for it to be the politically responsible yeah. movie? We know what, what happened. Like, they're they were making a specific movie about a specific thing, and adding all that shit in would make no sense. Like, it would make zero sense. I'd like to add, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the act, uh, but... What? No, don't spoil it. I want to see that. show the murder. They never show the murder. They instead, like, show her Probably because they want you to think that kid is more innocent than she is. The article. Did the act do enough to honor the victim of the victim in the act? Just I don't know. Probably. We don't know. That's the thing. tweets at 11. The, the problem with the, the way news works on the internet now is the only thing that really matters is being first uh, and being first with an opinion. And that's why there's so many bad opinions on the internet. That's why there's so many worthless fucking news articles. Let a story breathe a little bit and maybe 
you'll find a unique angle that isn't forced and bullshit. Like, why are we celebrating Ted Bundy? No, it's celebrating Ted Bundy. I do think the documentary sort of celebrated Ted Bundy. I think that was, I think there were valid criticisms there, but this movie, it's one specific thing. And, and you talked me into watching it. Danger. Do you want to, do you want to do one? Yeah. Um, I guess like for where, where we are, this does feel pretty unpopular. Um, but in, let me, let me start with a few things. First of all, I think the NRA is a terrorist organization just straight up. They are trying to sell you more guns and to do that, they have to keep you afraid. They're bullshit. They need to go away forever. Shut the fuck up, NRA. You're not helping anybody. Uh, but I am the son of a firearms instructor. I've been around guns since I was eight years old. Uh, I shot my dad's car accidentally once. Uh, a lot of mistakes that should uh, really have cost him uh, something at some point uh, didn't. But like, the point is, like, I was raised with a respect for guns. And I think that if you can prove that you're responsible with your firearm, then you deserve that firearm. You know, if you're not responsible, it should disappear into a puff of smoke. How do you prove that? I think we need a board. We need a DMV for guns. You know, we need to have we need to have Bob Van Gorder, my dad, uh, in a in a government regular uh, 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 in a building owned by the government, operated by the government, to to bring these people in and say, I want to buy this gun, this gun, this gun, this gun, this gun. Uh, and they say, okay, I want to register this gun. I've had this gun forever. I want to register it. All right. And this is sort of the sensible, like what, what sort of sensible gun yeah. looks like is like guns need to be registered. There needs to be. We need to know where they are. We need to know who has them. We need to know what that person who has them is doing. The same way if my car just like r- drives through an elementary school, like they're going to be like, yo, you know, whose car is this? Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's call, let's, let's call up, let's call up the Raiders. Cause, uh. Their name is attached to the, right. the license plate. Now. Oh, when you said Raiders, I genuinely talked about it. Call John Gruden and see what we can do with those extra first round picks. Do you think there's any merit in the argument that maybe the the argument that well, what if the government turns tyrannical? Do we still what what if we don't have our guns then? Do you think there's any merit in that argument? No, I mean I I, I think that's like by by registering things to I mean. The government isn't trying to go with our use of cars, you know, just like Brett's talking about. No, that's not what I mean. I don't mean the government gets tyrannical towards guns. I mean, the government gets tyrannical to the point where, all right, we got to go in and remove these motherfuckers. Then you would still have the gun, wouldn't you? Yeah. They would just know know where to deploy it. Just because, like, I think if you're actually taking arms against the American government, you will lose every time. It doesn't matter. This government spends... So much money on defense, the National Guard, the Army. We, you know, we outspend the next 10 nations on our military put together. It's absurd. And we don't need to do that. So, like, giving them information of, like, hey, uh, I have this AR-15. I got this uh, over-under shotgun. I've got these two handguns, whatever. Like, that isn't – you're not going to be able to defend yourself from Donald Trump and his decision-making with the three guns you have in a safe in your office. I mean, maybe you won't with, with the three guns you have. I just think, honestly, all I think the people who have guns band together. As we've discussed but there's a the bigger show. army than any band. Any band I, know there's, I know there's a bigger army, but a bigger army doesn't always win a war. Like, tell it to us or Russia going into <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> like, Afghanistan doesn't have the military we have, but we've also... No major power has ever beat Afghanistan in a war. 
there's more to it than just guns. Like I've heard it brought up that if we were to just full scale confiscate guns, what would happen is the South would probably block most of the routes we have to get food out to the rest of the country. And they would just sort of starve us out. Like, how do you like, so then you just send the government in to shoot them all? As we've discussed on this podcast over the last few years um, and similar podcasts from the smack.com universe, um, I don't think flat out banning guns which I would like to see is like, like legitimately uh, like going to happen. Like I, it would never happen as someone, as someone who is all for that solution, like it's not going to happen. But if there, you know, if we limit the types of weapons that are sold, if we end the loopholes that like make it legal for like a 10 year old to buy an AR 15 at a Carl's junior. Well, there shouldn't be gun shows. Like there shouldn't be gun shows, you know, if we limit that stuff and there is now a registry and maybe a, I don't, do you know, danger is, is there like a gun insurance thing or like if, if I, a gun I insurance goes up? <laughs> exactly. No, but like if, if I, if my car causes damage to something, then my car insurance goes up. Yeah. Right. If maybe I'm a responsible gun owner, but I've got a lunatic son who lives in the basement who is, you know, one frog meme away from shooting up something. something. I don't know. I'm painting a weird picture. But if my gun is used to shoot up a mall or something like that, regardless of whether or not I was the one shooting it, that should be, that should go on my tab. Like, yeah, because if you, you want to be, you didn't keep your firearm locked away in a situation where crazy this Jeopardy. Is, this ties it. into the DMV. You need to prove once a year, maybe once every five years, yeah. you, have to, you have to show completely list of, of guns you own and their serial numbers or however guns work. You need to display um, safe, um, you know, key, yeah, and you have to demonstrate the same way that I have to demonstrate same way that if I get into accidents all the fucking time, they're like, yo, why don't you come in and take a test? Yeah. Or if I turn 60 and my eyes start, you know, but you, know, what, like, yeah, you better come in and take a test before you can drive your Prius, bro. If one bad thing happens with a gun that you own, then like earning it back should be a dis... Distant, distant, distant possible. The same way that shouldn't the same way that if I drink and drive with my car, getting my license getting my license back, getting my car back, that's gonna be a a, a, a steeper mountain to climb and it's gonna cost me more money than just a, your average person who hasn't been in it in any yet. I think it's pretty fair to just treat it like cars and I don't know, you know. It's just we need to register all the weapons. Honestly, like I'm, I'm almost cool with the idea of gun shows if there's a government agency there that checks them all in and out and, fi- and finds out who's moving where. You know, if 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 you've got your license and you've demonstrated to Bob Angorder that you can that you can uh, responsibly own and use these firearms, then and then yeah, and then if something happens, not only like if something happens with your gun, if you end up abusing your wife poof gone like the actual here's a question what if you're a responsible gun owner and your kid takes your gun and uses it for a school shooting should you as a parent face criminal charges for yes criminal charges i don't know I think I, that why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I just criminal said. negligence. Like, then you aren't a responsible gun. Yeah, right. then yeah. you aren't a responsible. Yeah, gun. because your argument. What your you argument yeah. is. Like, everyone's technically a responsible gun owner until they do something irresponsible with their gun. Like, this isn't Minority Report. You aren't going to be able to predict 
what's going to happen with that gun just because one person uh, checks the right boxes on your form. Like they could have a crazy relative who comes in their house and yeah, we had our guns locked. I keep the key right on top of the cabinet. Well, they took the key and they unlocked it and they went and shot a motherfucker. Right. And I now you should be based charges criminal for negligence. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. What if Bob Van Gorder becomes tyrannical? Yeah, no, that makes sense. The Bob Van Gorder department. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. No, we need to. <laughs> I mean, having a well-regulated militia. Uh, no, we don't need. Right. Yeah, we yeah. have. We already have. I, that I love on like on like Second Amendment Twitter where they're like, where people's only response to like maybe we should like uh, have some responsible like. Just like we'll image post the text of the of the Second Amendment. They're like, well, you can't argue with this. It's like, yo, it says well regulated before it says right to bear arms. Right. Well, it says well regulated militia. Yeah. Which is the National Guard, which already exists. The idea that you can't argue with something because it's in the Constitution is fucking absurd. The Constitution allows prisoners to be used as slaves. Yeah, the Constitution also, as discussed by Thomas Jefferson, was discussed as we don't want to let this become a boy's coat. Uh, it's going to grow and change over time, and we need to revisit these things and make sure that it reflects the present day circumstances. Nah. Why are you wearing a boy's coat, TJ? Fucking idiot. Um, all right, should I get into. We're at 57 minutes already. I'm glad we spent 20 yeah, minutes on baseball. Yeah. Uh, does Is anyone it? have a, a final one they want to get in? Brett. Uh, which one? Which one do you want from me? Whatever. Did you... Uh, do we want to do the sports one or do we want to do the pop culture one? Let's do the pop, pop culture one. The DC Extended Universe, DCEU for short, theoretically, that's the, that's the main word here, theoretically, <laughs> should have a stronger business than the Marvel Universe. I, I love all this should in theory, and like it just seems like such a crazy notion. That like, all right, let's hear it, man. So for a while, the DC movies were like, yeah, we're just going to copy the like fucking Marvel, man. Like we're going to have Justice League, and it's going to be the same actors, and it's going to be like Wonder Woman from the Wonder Woman movie is going to be in the Justice League movie, and then Superman from the Superman movie is going to be in some movies that are only after the Christopher Nolan Batman's Batman. Yeah, I think you need a glass of water. Um, or milk. Milk. No, as a singer, you can't drink milk before you perform. So they were doing, they were basically just like, shit, we're like seven years behind Marvel. We just need to copy exactly what they're doing, but do it fast and do it not good. And those movies suck. And I haven't really seen any of the movies <laughs> since. It's, 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 I, really weird is Shazam a DC movie? Yeah. Certainly is. I like Shazam. But what they're doing now, because what. like they kind of like fucked around and the movies aren't really good and like, Ben Affleck's like, I don't want to be in these movies anymore. Uh, and then they're like, oh, well, we have this Joker here, but he's Jared Leto, and no one really liked him very much. But we're just, let's just make this other Jared uh, a Joker movie <laughs> with um, with Joaquin Phoenix. Which looks awesome. Kind of does, yeah. right? What I, what I think they might start doing is they might just be like, fuck continuity, we're just going to have three Batmans at once. We'll have the Batman that's in the Justice League movie, They'll have the Batman that's in like the Superman. And maybe they'll have like an Adam West Batman franchise as well. It's like, there it's like Lego Batman. That's, yeah. that's the Adam West. Exactly. Movie. And like maybe, maybe Bat maybe the DC maybe the DC characters and Marvel characters, obviously they, they shan't become um public domain, but Shakespeare plays are public domain, right? Anyone can put them on and they don't have to pay uh royalties to the Shakespeare, you know. Family, 
or whatever. <laughs> um, in the way that if you want to put on cats, well, you got to pay the guy who wrote cats. The Andrew Lloyd Webber? Was it Andrew Lloyd Webber? Something like that. So with Shakespeare now, there's productions of Shakespeare happening all over the world in all sorts of languages in many different ways. They're changing up. They're cutting this scene. They're cutting that scene. They're rewriting this a little bit. They're rewriting that a little bit. They're putting it on a different uh, different um, styles and different uh, set it tones. Saskatoon and a, and a hockey team. Hamlet, but Hamlet hockey in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Yeah, I'd see that. That's good. So... By on accident, DC has fallen into this strategy of like, well, things weren't working, so now we're gonna start throwing shit on the wall, and they might actually luck into the good strategy of just like, why just have one brooding Batman? Mm-hmm. We could have like the, the this Batman and the Justice League Batman and a different one, and we'll have the Joker who's in the Joker, the Todd Phillips Joker movie that looks like a Scorsese movie, but maybe the Joker in the Ju- in Justice League Two is a different guy, yeah. and this actually. More, much more like how comics work and how there's sort of different runs of, of different comics. So yeah, the, the recent Spider Spider-Verse kind yeah. of explored that exact idea. Exactly. There's like six different Spider-Men in this movie. This isn't the case, though, although Aquaman uh, did very well. I haven't really seen any of these Marvel DC movies since Batman vs. Superman. And I watched the first like seven minutes of Justice League and I had to turn it off. <laughs> I watched I was on a plane. I, I watched like, Venom. And yeah, Venom did very well, even though it's like a Josh Hardy's voice is it wore me the fuck out like five minutes in. Mm-hmm. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Getting back to my unpopular opinion. Theoretically, <laughs> DC, DC movies should be like really pop. Like they should actually, now that Marvel is sort of ending this phase, we don't really know what's going on with Marvel in the future, DC movies should like rise in popularity as they have this like, you know, you know what, we have like three Supermans. And like we have a bunch of different Superman movies and you see the one you want to see and they're 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 varied and people like Superman, people like Batman. Cool. We have three different flavors of Superman and Batman for you. Alright. I mean is tailoring things for niche audiences one at a time a better way to bring in money than doing big tentpole shit like the Infinity War? Both parts of the Infinity War? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know what you're saying for niche audiences. Like, obviously, the Superman fans are going to see all three. But, like, it's a, it's a way to <laughs> A, B, C test and see what works and what doesn't work. Because, obviously, they've had a lot of stuff that doesn't work. Uh, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm not really interested in... I'm not really interested in, in what DC is doing. But if you told me, like, Edgar Wright made, like, a funny Batman movie... Yeah. Well, I mean, he like, almost made a funny Ant-Man movie. Exactly. Like, you know, if he did, like, a Bam Pow G. Willikers Batman... Oh. Batman like, if DC just released that, I'm sure a lot of people would check that out. Yeah. Who, who, like, wouldn't check out, like, a... Why is it wake at night? Sort of movie. <laughs> you know? So... You weren't born. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So that's... that's it's all theoretical. It's an interesting theory, and it does rest upon them accidentally continuing a trend that that they that, that they that they ac- like accidentally fell into in the first place because stuff wasn't working. So I don't know. It's just a thought. I'd be interested to see it play out because Justice League was dull and Suicide Squad looks like. Have you seen the movie Justice Suicide League? Squad is Adam, right. Suicide Squad is bad. Have you seen Justice League, Adam? No, I couldn't get through Spoilers it. Spoilers for Justice League. The movie opens. With a vertical cell phone video oh, of Superman. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like some kid being like, Superman, where did all the heroes go? 
And it's like a fucking vertical cell phone video. And he's like, oh. he says some shit and it opens with like a four minute like acoustic song about how Superman's dead. It is awful. Yeah, I didn't I stay much past that. Yeah, I couldn't get too far into it. Danger, do you have one final one you want to bring up before we get into my last one? I don't like sushi. I'm with you. What? I don't like, I don't like Japanese But also... Food. You don't like Japanese people. I don't like Japanese food. Oh, but I also, like Konkatsu ramen. I like a lot of their candies, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah. But also, I mean, I guess it's an opinion. You're entitled to it, but like, that's not... That's just like a personal taste issue. Yeah. I just always feel, when he said an unpopular opinion, like, honestly, like, I do feel like the only person in America that doesn't like sushi. I'm not crazy about it either. I'm not, cra- I just, I'm not crazy about uh, cold to room temperature seafood. I just like it a little bit cooked and hot. Um, but spice, also, yeah. people, I like spice. People, I like, spice. people spice. like it. Wasabi? People like it. Uh, you know, it's probably, it, look, it seems healthy or whatever. So like, like, like Tonkatsu ramen, there's all kinds of flavors happening in a Tonkatsu oh, ramen. And, you know, that, is a, that is a chaos of flavors. But with the, but with sushi, it's all like, right, nuance. I mean, aside from wasabi, the fucking nuance in the world. And you can get cooked sushi. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's really good stuff out there. Deep fried sushi roll? Mm. Tasty. Yeah. Tasty cakes. Teriyaki always struck me as like the bag of chips I'd throw to a friend. That's insane. Teriyaki's delicious. Yeah, I don't care for it. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Fine. <laughs> I guess we all agree. Uh-huh. Um, the last one I want to talk about, I think I'll probably do a full episode about this at some point. I'm definitely going to write a column about it. But it's time to stop using conspiracy theory as a derogatory term. So the conspiracy theorist. Am I a conspiracy theorist? You have a show. Am I a truth teller? You have a show. Did no, but I understand. Did Trump conspire with Russia to win the election? Uh, I think that uh, he let some shit happen. Seems like it. See, that's the thing. People are that scared to call something a conspiracy. We've seen so many conspiracies in action. It's it's lost meaning. Well, it's not, it hasn't lost meaning, I think, and I, I honestly believe this was at least some part a U.S. government initiative. It's not that it's lost meaning, it has become a derogatory term, which is insane. We've seen how many videos of police shooting someone have we seen, and the video doesn't come out for like another month. And by that point, we find out, oh, they've been covering it up this whole time. What's that? It's a conspiracy. And like, if me and you... Talk about what we're going to have for lunch. It's a conspiracy. That's a plot. Conspiracy of two. But it's it's all a conspiracy means is multiple people all working together toward one goal, but not revealing what that goal is. People have lost that meaning of conspiracy. They just think conspiracy means like a shady thing. But conspiracy means multiple actors, right? And organizing an event or another, right? And 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 this blanket condemnation of conspiracy th- oh if you're a conspiracy theorist you're a crazy person well what's crazier questioning the government or accepting their story every time no that's it's a strong argument because we know the u.s government lies mk ultra was a real thing that had someone not put twenty thousand files in the wrong spot the government would have denied it forever and we never would have been able to prove it but people knew what was happening before that. And those people were called conspiracy theorists. And then it turns out that it's true. And it's like, oh, okay, but you're all still crazy conspiracy theorists. How do we, how do we build a culture then 
that promotes the questioning of the mainline topic without getting too far out into the angels and airwaves, aliens are real. And, yeah, because like a lot of people are and, like, and I think the Earth is flat and the government is lying to you yeah, about it. QAnon, or like, that the vaccines are causing autism and the government's lying about it. And you're like, because these people that want to steer these theories. people they're wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. Instead right. of saying, oh, well, if you think maybe Saudi Arabia had more to do with 9-11 than the government's letting on, you're basically Alex Jones, which is insane. Because that, like, for the longest time, there were 26 pages of the 9-11 commission report that were classified. And a lot of people were like, you know what's in those? Proof that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11. And then they finally declassified them. And guess what's in there? Proof that Saudi, Proof that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11. Like, the majority of the hijackers were Saudis. Oh, yeah. But... Saddam Hussein and bin Laden did 9-11. And if you don't believe that fully, you're Charlie Sheen. That's fucking insane. That is insane to imply that if you question the government, you're a crazy person. You're a crazy person if you don't. I agree with that. And what, what, what got me on that is one of my favorite topics, Venezuela, which uh, I've been saying for two years that we would be at war with Venezuela. Yep. Uh, before the end of Trump's first term. And here we are, almost there. Almost there, yeah. I keep seeing videos uh, uh, from the mainstream media, the lamestream media, say like, look at this, look at this conflict. And then I see other videos uh, from like other news sources, like from Latin America, or like, look at this gigantic throng of people who happen to prefer the present government. And uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, like, and you, like, look, I don't like Maduro. I don't think he's a super stand-up guy. But these people voted him into the office. Right. And it just, like, the United States just randomly backing whatever dudes. Uh, like, I, it would be really great if the U.K. said, you know what? We're going to get behind Bernie Sanders and uh, topple the Trump regime. Sound good, everybody? Cool. Oh, yeah. How would we react to that in this I'm, country? I'm looking at it. And the reason... I think we support foreign governments interfering in our elections. Yeah, it seems like we do. It seems so. The reason I bring it up bring up the conspiracy theory thing as it relates to Venezuela is the more I look into Venezuela, the more and more I'm convinced that at least it per- as it pertains to the CNNs and New York Times and Washington Posts of the world, they are not, the major news outlets and Trump are not enemies. I think that is some wrestling shit. I, I you emailed this earlier and I, I, it's, um, it's a bit of a symbiosis. I, I, right. I, don't, I don't know if it's 100% um, a conspiracy. I don't think they're working together and like going I, in the back and being like, ha-ha, well, we'll I, haven't, this time. I haven't gotten to the third part. But but I, I think there is a bit like, I think they rely on each other a lot more. Honestly, like they rely on each other a lot more than, um, than we would think. I think the last four years of our lives have been this huge, huge um, boost to the news industry in America. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing all these random newspapers full, but like New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, they're all having a really good time right now. They're all, well, they're all as successful as they have been. I think a good example of the symbiosis there is Saturday Night Live, where Trump and Saturday Night Live, they are fucking enemies. Right. The show that let him host Mm -hmm. and had him dance to a Drake song to seem more human. They are definitely, they really stuck it to him with that. And boy, does he stick it to them back every time he rage tweets about one of their sketches 
that then gets but then thousands to the YouTube channel, thousands of extra hate views that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Those motherfuckers are working together. Trump worked for NBC right before he left to run for office. And I'm supposed to think the executives at NBC are so wholesome and moral that they oppose Trump now. No, they don't. But pretending they do makes it all look better. And the reason I think it is a conspiracy is because of Venezuela. I think Trump and the media are pretending to be enemies because when they finally unite over Venezuela, everyone on all sides will be like, oh, well, I guess this is some humanitarian shit that we need to take care of. But no, it's not. It's just us intervening in a South American country's affairs because they elected a socialist. We've been waging economic war against them since at least the Obama administration, but well before that also. And I think the media and Trump are doing this for that one moment, that one moment when we invade Venezuela and everyone can go, oh, well, this must be the right thing because the Washington Post is saying it's right. And so is Trump. And the Washington Post hates Trump. So if there was something amiss here, they would tell us. But they're not. Like the other side of the Venezuela story is never talked about in the United States media at all, ever. Protesters, those are the people. The people who support, and that's the third part of this. I think the United States and Juan Guaido are the bad guys in the Venezuela situation. I don't care if 50 other countries support Juan Guaido. That's a coup. That's just 50 other countries supporting a coup. And we have been actively trying to topple that regime for years. And the things we're doing, like the Washington Post wrote this editorial and said, don't call what happens in Venezuela a coup. They have a right to remove a toxic regime. And it's like, do we have the same right here? Yeah, it's, yeah, one, do we have that same right here? And that doesn't mean we have the right to go in and tell them who to replace him with. Yeah, American interventionism has never worked in the long term. It's, We've been uh, doing it since the 30s. It doesn't work. Feels like it worked with uh, the former Axis countries. In what way? Like, sorry, German American or? interventionism in Latin America, on our hemisphere, I don't think is right. What's well, the Monroe Doctrine? Yeah. And if, if anyone is still on the fence as to whether Venezuela is truly a humanitarian operation, look into John Bolton invoking the Monroe Doctrine for why we're there. The Monroe Doctrine was what led to the Banana Wars, yeah. which was the United States starting this series of wars solely over corporate interests, solely because our corporations were kicked out of these countries. That's what happened in Venezuela. Exxon got kicked out of Venezuela, and our first Secretary of State was the former CEO of Exxon. Yeah. But everyone's like, the Trump's good. Uh, U.S. invading Venezuela is a conspiracy is a dictator conspiracy theory. That's what people said right up until like last week. I had people from Venezuela because there is an opposition in Venezuela that once Maduro toppled too. I had people from Venezuela tweeting at me like, like I was just inherently wrong about everything happening there. And it's like a Trump supporter here would tell someone in another country that they're very wrong about what's happening in the United States. Like that means nothing to me. That people from Venezuela might want to chastise me for saying the U.S. is they're fucking with your shit. And like everyone, like for the longest time, those I would have people like that when I bring this up that would say, oh, well, that's just Maduro's conspiracy theories that the U.S. is intervening financially and that we're eventually going to invade. 
Well, now we're about to invade. So that half of the conspiracy theory was true. How about looking into that first part a little more? Because there's two parts. There's that the United States was waging financial war against Venezuela and that we were going to invade someday. And everyone would tell you all of that was conspiracy theory nonsense. And now we're about to invade. So I think it would be in everyone's best interest to look into that financial warfare part before you sign off on the idea that this is a purely humanitarian effort on our part, because that's what the media is going to tell you. They're going to tell you that all along we have said that this is a humanitarian thing that someone needs to fix. But we've also said Trump should invade. But they wanted to invade. Like, think about your big media outlets, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times. Who owns those? It's not like the people own those. <laughs> Fucking giant corporations. Giant corporations. Amazon, Washington Post. I don't know who. Right. And these are corporations that would love to invest in a country that is sitting on the largest oil reserves in the world. They have the most oil in the world. And when we invaded Iraq, all these people on the left were like, we're just doing it for oil. Who's making that argument now? I'd be happy to make that argument. But no one does. No one does. Like even everyone's fucking hero, John Oliver, did this long segment about how this time what's happening isn't our fault. And it's like, where the fuck are you getting that from? Like, I think the CIA wrote that segment. There's no way you can honestly investigate what's happening in Venezuela and come to that fucking conclusion. And it's shit like that that makes me feel like this whole, the press is the enemy of the people. It's fucking wrestling shit. Trump is the heel. The media is the hero or the other way around. It doesn't matter who you view as the villain. You just need to view one of them as a villain. You need to view the other side as the polar opposite of that, because then when they all come together and say, it's time to invade Venezuela for the people, we'll all go, okay, I believe you. You'd tell me if Trump was up to something, wouldn't you? So you're saying we could be forgiven for thinking that both Trump and many elements of the mainstream media are both full of shit. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, I'm not saying that, like, I know people who write for the Washington Post. I'm not like- We know people who write for John Oliver too. Like, thi- like things like that, it, it fucking, there's decisions made at the top of any company that the people below have met. Like McDonald's has a pervasive culture of sexual harassment. That is not the cashier's fault. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm bugging it. Oh my God. Sorry. But uh, Degrading your victims. I know very little about the situation, but I will say that Adam generally is a little bit like, it's like, six to 12 months ahead of everybody else. On yeah. The this shit happens. The, so I, you know, that's, I'm, no, yeah, that's you, you've been tragically commonly right about the larger things that everybody's poo pooed like Trump's chances. That's uh, because the, uh, another unpopular opinion, I said this on the cracked podcast, Trump is the most transparent president we've ever had. We don't need to see his taxes to know that, there's something wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, he's a fucking The no. fact that he won't show us. That's enough. Is enough. Yeah. We don't need to see him. Cool. <laughs> like, you just listen to what Trump says. He'll tell you everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And however many speeches, however many tweets, like, he'll stop paying attention for, for long enough to just let it fly out because yeah. he's an entertainer. My favorite example. My favorite example is there's been a lot of talk about how we have 900,000 asylum and immigration cases pending and not enough judges to handle them. Trump was talking about that at his El Paso rally and then went off script and said, by the way, 
We have the greatest law enforcement in this country. We know where those people are, and we're going to get them out of here. We just have to change the laws first. Gross. What else is there to talk about after that? That's the president saying we're going to change our immigration laws so we can deport 900,000 people who are seeking asylum. And all anyone cared about was that he said he was going to buy a dog. Like, that's, that was the talking point around his El Paso rally, is he asked if he should buy a dog. Chris Saliza of just, just shoot him into the sun. Chris Saliza did... He's on uh, CNN. He wears the fucking glasses, and he's... You haven't narrowed it down. He did, after the El Paso rally, he wrote an article called The 50 Most Eye-Popping Moments from Trump's El Paso rally. And it did not include the fact that he blatantly said, I want to deport 900,000 people. How am I supposed to view that if not some sort of collaboration on Trump's part and the media? Because you can't honestly, as a journalist, go, these are the 50 most shocking things he said, and then list deport 900,000 people at like, what, 51? Maybe 53 <laughs> or 4. Yeah, like there's, there's no... I don't care what Chris Saliz's answer would be to why he would exclude something like that, because I know it's a lie. I know whatever he will say is a lie. And nothing after Venezuela and kind of after that El Paso thing, nothing will convince me that Trump and the major media outlets actually hate each other. They are friends who want to fuck Venezuela. That's all. Yeah, it's a game that they built that they both 100 percent benefit from. It's kayfabe. They're not breaking kayfabe. You know what kayfabe is? It's when two wrestlers will appear in public and still pretend to be their wrestling characters. That's kayfabe. And that's what's happening with Trump in the media. And it's going to take Lauren Michaels and Trump getting busted in a limo doing coke together for us to realize it. Eh? Wrestling reference? Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan were caught in a limo together doing cocaine in the 80s? That's that's actually how I finally found out wrestling wasn't real. Because that happened when I was a kid in the thick of watching wrestling. And my dad had to explain to me that uh, actually the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan are pretty good friends. They're just pretending to hate each other for your entertainment. Mm. And I think that's what's happening with Trump and the media right so, now. And based on these uh, sterling observations, as always, the greatest culture critique comes from my good friend Adam Tuckerman. We want to dismiss the term conspiracy theorists as a pejorative, and uh, we still need a term for the QAnon folks. We still need a term for fucking for like uh, you could call them QAnon. I mean, they all suck. You could say that's some QAnon bullshit. That's some QAnon bullshit. All right. Yeah, like legitimately questioning the government and questioning the interests of a handful of billionaires. I think is healthy. I think it's really healthy because we can't know what's in the heart of hearts it's, of these uh, of this extraordinarily select group of people unless they tell us. And only Trump is telling anybody. Yeah, that's a fucking nightmare, man. Should we get the comments? Sure. Let's yeah. do, it. do we have comments from last I episode? Don't know. Yeah, we, we sure, sure do. Let's get to comments. You know, it's a big world out there. Oh yeah, man, it's easy to feel like the things you say don't even matter. Globalism, man. I want you to know that's just a Zionist conspiracy and that none of it's true. It's why we call this segment Your Voice Matters, where we read your stupid fucking comments from the last show and respond to them personally. Personally, personally. personally. Oh, Linda Ronstadt's on? Maybe it's Crystal Gale. I don't know. Hey, Caleb O'Donnell says, I really loved all the crying about letting the Boston bomber vote. You think Bernie had said the Boston bomber was awarded a million votes? 
also, I've seen the argument that, well, all the people in jail will vote for get out of jail party. And the best response to that I've seen is, if you're afraid of being outvoted by prisoners, maybe we have too many prisoners in America. I yep. agree with all of that. You were, Caleb? Yeah, we talked a little bit about prisoners voting on the last episode. Matt Lieb's yep. position is that only prisoners should vote. <laughs> Pretty entertaining. But like I argued last week, prisoners, if nothing else, would be the most informed voters. Yeah. Uh, spare time. Yeah. Because what else do they have to do? But research the issue. Shit. As someone that yeah, did. Well, shit. that doesn't take long. As someone that did the hiring for Lyft for a while, my, fa- my absolute favorite hires that I had to train were cons, convicts because they were super polite because they'd been trained to be so. They were so grateful for the opportunity because there, there's so few opportunities out there for, for convicts. And they had the best stories. Like, yeah, I went to prison because I stole like 200 cars before I was 17. I'm like, wow, you're a genius. Let's hear that story. That would be the best lift ride ever. Are you good at driving cars? <laughs> yeah, man, he's basically a baby driver. Uh, Eduardo, if you can hear me, you're at. Don't be racist. Jack. His name was Eduardo, you jackass. I hate when you do that. Jack M. says, we didn't really have burritos in the UK until relatively recently, but there was a trend that started a couple of years ago for the Sunday roast burrito. Sounds like a nightmare. It consists of a wrap made from Yorkshire pudding batter, Yorkshire pudding, filled with roast beef, mashed potato, roast vegetables, and gravy. I love a roast for dinner. I I have one most Sundays, but there's absolutely no need to turn it into a burrito. I agree with that. That was one of my wow. my unpopular opinions from last week. Burritos are a little overrated. And people uh, burritos are becoming the new bacon where oh, people, people shut up personality it. is I love burritos. It's like a lot of people love burritos. Shut I love up. sandwiches. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not like it's, so, about it. it's so crazy. I like pizza. That's <laughs> not that's not interesting. My friends say I'm totally random. I love pizza. <laughs> right? And burritos. Have you guys had a burrito? Yeah, like, yeah, the, the different burrito, but like not with my, like Mexican ingredients. It's a, yeah, I mean, I'm, like, I'm interested as, a, as someone who just likes putting horrible food in my mouth. But uh, I, don't, I mean, just give me a carne inside of burrito. They can, be done very, they can be done very well. But uh, it's nothing right. Along those same lines, Amanda Murphy says, ooh la la, the dudes living in the land of good Mexican food look down on us for liking Chipotle. Correct. Who do you think you are? I think you're people who eat at terrible restaurants. Yeah. No, as, as someone who lived on the East Coast for some time, the, 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 um, the comfort in American chain food is you know what you're going to get, right? You're at an airport in Zimbabwe, and you want a cup of coffee, and you want a reduced fat turkey bacon breakfast sandwich from Starbucks, <laughs> and you can get that, you know? Uh, and same thing when you live in New York, doesn't have great Latin food, sorry. And, you know, I need, I'm, I need a burrito in my life, I need a burrito in my throat, I'm not going to go to a Gross. random... Yeah, that's how you, that's how Is that like, where you enjoy a burrito? Yeah, I, I just open up this like, right, down, right <laughs> and I shove a burrito I in there. I quit smoking, but it was gone. Um, you know what? I need a burrito today. 
Eat some tacos today. I'm not going to chance it with uh, just some random ass Mexican. You're going to chance it with salmonella instead. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just, so, just don't. I just trick yourself into thinking that Chipotle is. No, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone does. I don't think anyone goes. Well, we oh, I, I had McDonald's. I had a great. I had a great burger today at this uh, Irish joint called McDonald's. No, it's like it's not. What good. is it for McDonald's? <laughs> May, may I throw one thing in there? It was when we were coming back from the same tour I was talking about earlier out to Wyoming. The best fast food I've ever had in my life was at the uh, Taco Bell, and I want to say Fort Shri- one of the sh- one of the forts in Wyoming, Fort Sheridan. I don't know, but they had local beef that had been frozen at yes. the Taco Bell, and it was amazing. Sometimes that happens. I I know this sounds weird, but I had the best Coke Zero of my life at the Wendy's in Burbank. It was just so crispy and refreshing. Are you on? Ecstasy? <laughs> no, but I wish I was. I would have probably enjoyed Very it even more. more. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, we still love you, Amanda Murphy. Thank you for your support, but Chipotle's gross. Yeah. I'm, def- I'm defending the choice if, if there's no good Latin options with uh, around you. Going for the um, the high floor but low ceiling of a Chipotle. Uh, Nick D. Quality-wise, not yeah. actual height of the establishment. Let's stay on burritos for a second. Nick D. Jeez. Says, I believe what Adam said about those gas station burritos. I grew up in the Tampa area. The best Cuban sandwich I ever had in the land of Cuban sandwiches came out of an independently owned gas station that probably illegally had the likeness of the Roadrunner on a sign with the store's name. Have either of you been to Cilantro Mexican Grill? I still haven't. Oh, no, you told me about it. Yeah. But again, this person is in Florida. No wonder they had a good Cubano sandwich yeah. at a gas station. But what if you get a Cubano sandwich in Spokane, Washington? Probably not going to be good. Maybe go to the chain Cubano store. I don't know what that is, but, you know, making my point from earlier. Cupotle. Cupotle. Yeah. It's the Cuban Chipotle. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Cilantro Mexican Grill. For all the shit I talked about burritos last week, that place is magic. It's cheap. The wait's kind of long because it's so popular now, but god damn. That's the guy's bump. Get out to that place. Uh, Lyle Albritton says, out of all the podcasts I listen to, listening to OG Unpops feels like home, even though my home is Florida. Still love you, ATV. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, All right, let's do one more Jack M again (laughs) says, I used to have a pair of cargo shorts that I could fit my DS and charger in. Walking over to my friends with my DS in my pocket felt so badass. This was the funniest yawn in the history of yawns. Well, we've been going for an hour 45. Uh, Yeah. Um, You feel cool because, like, you have a DS in your pocket, bro? Forget it. Let's just wrap this up. Do you have a portable gaming system in your pocket? Or are you just... We were talking about cargo shorts last week. I don't know. Cargo shorts are dope. (laughs) Okay, tell tell me what's wrong with them. If you're, like, need to carry a utility uh, tool... Well, I I mean, as as a human person, I sometimes do actually need to carry things. Same. You should bring that up. Same. And sometimes I like having an extra pocket or two to do it with. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, if you want to have... Every person wants to own one pair of cargo shorts for the time when they're like doing yard work or building something. A cargo short is a purpose-driven garment. And if you have the purpose of it, fine. But if you're like going to to the to the the cilantro Mexican grill, if you're going out to the 
to see the pictures with your lady love, maybe put on a jean, you know? Yeah, four pockets is enough, I think, for the evening, for evening wear. Oh, you, you throw on a lot of evening wear, do you? Yeah, I love dressing up. Yeah, and I love dressing up. I look good. All right, cargo shorts are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's it. We should wrap this up. What do we have to plug before we get out of here? Patreon.com slash Unpops. Obviously, you can get a bunch of bonus content. We call it Bone Con over there. Uh, it's easy time to talk, right? Yeah. So that's that, that's that place, that thing that happens down at the convention center in Anaheim, second week of October. Yeah, yeah. Bone Con. It's, uh, it's an anthropologist convention. Wait, wait. Bone Con. <laughs> Medium.com slash Unpops. Check out uh, my writings and my words. We'll be bringing on other writers soon, yeah. soon-ish. Uh, so check that out. And uh, we're doing a backyard show at Chet Wild's place in July. Hey, so be on the look. Basketball at Chet. Bolo for details to that it means be on the lookout. It's a police term. Uh, Brett, what do you got to plug? Follow me on Twitter at Brett Raider. I work at Yahoo Sports and makes an awesome podcast. If you're interested in learning more from people who know things, check those out. But if not, that's cool. danger. Uh, fans of unpopular opinion uh, should should go to patreon.com slash countless thousands and support our Patreon. Edit that out, Brett. Because yeah. it's very important that people support the countless thousands Patreon so that countless thousands can continue producing music. We just, uh, 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 Lindsey Graham in the Senate chambers the other day said Trump is a fucking idiot because he's reading somebody else's text. Uh, and uh, we took that and made a groove out of it. So uh, hop on over there and check it out. It's already, I've been making music for, I don't know, 15 years at this point. That is the fastest growing thing on YouTube that we've put up. And I, I knocked it out in 20 minutes. And I'm so upset that like that's what's getting away from me. It's like not the stories I'm trying to tell. It's how it always works, man. It is how it always works. Either way, check it out. Count Southern's Patreon. Please support us. We're coming up. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Danger, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Brett, say goodbye. Goodbye for now. Goodbye, everybody. Love you.